What's up, champs? Welcome to another episode of the Short Shifts Fantasy Hockey Podcast, hosted by two guys whose biggest concern about the State of the Union is uh, what the new NHLPA director's opinion is going to be towards escrow. Uh, <laughs> this is your host, Louis Ezekiel, uh, and joining me tonight uh, is Jeremy Versillo. Jeremy, we are engaged in a uh, like beatdown brawl in the our Keeper League that we share, uh, but you've got so many guys playing tonight. I, I don't think I'm going to get any good news, even if my players perform well. I think I'm going to end up falling further behind, uh, regardless. Unfortunately. Yeah, you've got two hot goalies in there right now, which kind of is scary if they keep doing what they're doing. Don't but jinxing me now, man. This is not nice. Uh, yeah, I have Francois and Stolars as my streaming goalies here, uh, but I only have two moves left, and I got to use them probably to get those guys out of my lineup, right? So. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I got to really strategize the end of this week here. Uh, every win is important in that league because we are. There's a lot of uh, really great competition. It's really fun. Brian, Elon, Ben, Dave, uh, all playing in that league. Shams playing in that league. It's a real who's who of uh, of personalities uh, from the Keeping Carlson uh, cinematic universe. All right. Uh, well, let's jump right into the business here. Uh, let's start with an injury in Anaheim. Jeremy, tell us uh, about what's going on with Troy Terry. Yeah, I'm just going to run through two injuries real quick because they both are basically the same thing. Uh, Troy Terry left Monday's game and is not playing Tuesday, but he was described as day-to-day. Uh, not really any concern, probably just the short turnaround, keeping him out for another night. And similarly, Alex Barkov had a minor injury, missed practice today, but the coach says even if he misses practice tomorrow, he's on schedule to play. So both of those kind of nothing burgers to me. You lose a game, maybe two games, and hopefully you have a IR spot for him. You see anything different in those? No, I'm with you. I think you just want to yeah, try and maybe stream some volume there or, you know, if... Uh... You know, I'm in a position where I, by the end of the week, I'm going to have guys coming off IR, uh, Velarde probably, and um, DeBrusque almost certainly. So yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to use my moves early because um, you know I know that those slots are going to get filled up with with regular uh, you know uh, regular lineup guys. Uh, so the, those streamer spots are not long to exist. So yeah, just think about how you can move, use those slots effectively. Uh, in the meantime, while you got those players out, maybe uh, maybe some goalie streams are the way to go, uh, or some of the folks that we're going to talk about uh, moving on in the episode. Um, we also have some kind of breaking news, so not a ton of information necessarily, but um, what did we just see going down in uh, Colorado? Yeah, so I'm seeing in Colorado that Kale McCarr took a very hard, potentially dirty hit. Uh, I'm reading Discord comments is how I'm guessing on this from Jeff Carter and stayed down until the whistle and was immediately pulled presumably by concussion spotters or by coaches and has not returned yet. That instantly makes Devontae's and Bowen Byram both really interesting. Byram in particular may be on a lot of wires because it's his first game back today and he already has an assist. Yeah, I think he got an assist along with Sam Girard on the McKinnon goal. Uh, Gerard's another guy, you know, just obviously we always talk about it. The depth on the Colorado blue line is so 
ridiculous. Like, you know, some of these guys are not going to be able to, to live up to that potential probably in the positions that they're in, um, but all really have, have, you know, potential in spades. Uh, I think you're right. I like Taves definitely to step up in the meantime. We've seen him do that uh, in the past, but you know, this is uh, the fullest that the, the roster behind Makar has looked. So it could be a nice opportunity uh, for all three gentlemen, but yes, I think you've got the right order there with Taves, Byram, and then Gerard as the potential uh, beneficiaries, obviously. Uh, number one thing is the health and safety of Kale McCarr. Um, but, you know, the, the Avalanche are not in the position that we sort of thought that they would be where they can kind of afford to sort of cruise. They need to keep the pedal to the metal. So, um, you know, uh, with luck, uh, McCarr will be back sooner rather than later. Uh, maybe it'll just be the remainder of this game and they'll say he's good to go next time up. Uh, you'll There'll be a lot more information, I'm sure, post-game. We're just not there yet. We are reporting what we see as it happens. Yeah, fingers crossed for Makar's health. Uh, you always hate to see some of the best players in the game miss so much time because of concussions and head injuries that are way too pervasive in the game today. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, we had questions in the Discord, too, about a couple of lines that folks wanted mentioned, both third lines that are having a ton of success. I'm going to start in New York with the kid line of Lafreniere, uh, Philip Heedle, a.k.a. Philly Heat, and Capo Caco. Uh, it's the highest scoring even strength line combo for the Rangers this year with 34 combined points. Of course, that stat is a little misleading as the kid line is stuck together more than any combo. By comparison, the various Zibanejad line combos that appear in the top 10 most used deployments by the Rangers combined for 57 points. But you know, they also compare pretty favorably with other more consistent line combos. They're tied for 15th most productive offensive line over the last month at even strength with six goals scored and only one goal allowed. Uh, only seven other combos in the 30 most productive even strength lines allowed one or zero goals. And you have to imagine that's part of the reason why they are trusted in New York and why they've had so much longevity as a unit. Uh, I found that information, by the way, using the Frozen Tools uh, line combo uh, uh, report generator. Yeah, in addition to the Frozen Tools report, I'm looking on moneypuck.com, and based on expected goals percent, uh, their their line looks not great, but like really solid. For They are 54th among all line combinations that have played 150 minutes together this year. It puts them in the same range as Henrik Seagrass Terry and Fiala Kopitar Kempe and Perfetti Shifley Wheeler as far as their expected goals rate at even strength this year. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, one area to kind of get nitpicky, I think, is the shots for and against. They only are controlling 45% of their shots for, but they do have the advantage in shot attempts. They're taking 52% of shot attempts. So blocks and missed shots are eating into their success at controlling play a bit there. That's really the only knock I think we have against them. Uh, I think Lafreniere with five points in the last five and Heedle with seven in the last four should be rostered in 14 team leagues and maybe should be you know streamed in 12 team, at least least until they cool off a bit. Uh, I think Kako is an all right streamer in deeper leagues. He doesn't, he just doesn't shoot enough for my tastes. Um, and we're going to talk about another line coming up that I think I might prefer all three members over the Rangers kid line. Um, but pretty solid uh, effort, definitely. And, you know, very exciting, I think, for the future, much more so than uh, than maybe this other uh, set of line mates that we're going to talk about who, you know, a little older, a little more experienced. Yeah. Do you want to roll into that line 
combo now since we sure we have them on, yeah. on board. Yeah, let's jump into it. So I want to talk about uh, Calgary's third line. Uh, all of the Rangers talk really is just made to set the table, I think, for what I'm going to call the Eat Blake Lund line. Uh, is that, Jeremy, is that too tortured of an Eat, Pray, Love uh, reference? I, I think the answer is yes, and I think we should leave it in. I think uh, it goes around the bend to become good again. Yeah, I agree with you. It definitely fits the motif of the show at any rate. Uh, so this is another third line that is stuck together through a lot of movement in the top six on their team. Uh, Calgary's third line of Mangiapane, Backland, and Coleman has never uh, has been even more impressive statistically. Uh, so remember I said there were seven other top scoring lines with one or zero goals against at even strength over the last month? Uh, that Calgary line is one of them, allowing only one goal against. Uh, and... They're behind only Zaka, Pasternak, and Krejci in even strength scoring. They have 12 goals, while the Pasternak line has 13 at even strength. Uh, and with one goal against, they have the best uh, goals scored to goals given up ratio of any team, or of any line, I should say, uh, except for the um, Shifley line, which has not given up any goals, and therefore uh, their ratio is, is very strong in that regard. Um, they've controlled 68% of the shots on goal and 65% of the shot attempts. All three members have a five-game point streak with seven points in that span. I mean, just really, really productive work for the last month. Um, you know, if we're if we're picking and choosing from among them, I think I would actually want Backlund first among them. Uh, you know, he was not doing this last year when Mangiapane was going off, but he's got three shots a game and he's shooting a couple points below his career shooting percentage and about half of his career high. So I think there's some room for some puck luck uh, to help him score a little bit more, especially if he keeps uh, shooting three times a game. Uh, and then Mangiapane and Coleman to me are more or less a coin flip. Coleman's shooting a bit more. Mangiapane is further below his career shooting percentage. Uh, so I think both have, have, you know, marks where they could, uh, you know, see some some continued positivity uh, from that pairing. So I, I think I like these three, especially Backland, over the New York guys. What do you think? Yeah, I think I like all three of them. I actually may like Coleman the best of them. He has 36 shots over his last 10 games, but you can't go wrong with any of the three. They kind of reminds me of uh, back in the day, the HBK line in Pittsburgh, where it was just a third line of players that were putting up ridiculous shot numbers at even strength, despite being the quote-unquote third line on their team. Yeah, that's a really good comparison. I like that. And then I was thinking about, you know, what are the other third lines that might be as exciting? And the only one I can really think of is... Uh, right now it's it's Fiala and Lazat and Anderson Dolan, but you imagine it'll be Velarde when he gets healthy again. Uh, that's the only line that I feel like can kind of come close to sort of matching some of this production we've seen from these third lines. I may be missing some people out. I'm just thinking about this off the top of my head. But uh, just really cool, I think, to see a couple of uh, really strong third line outings. Uh, and obviously, uh, you know, for Calgary fans, it's great to get production up and down the lineup. And for the Rangers, it's a, a look into the future and a sign of, of hopefully things to come. So uh, you could imagine those three might be playing together uh, for a long time. Yeah, the look into the future is another big thing because they're all so young that keep an eye on those three next year, especially if that line continues to click through the end of the regular season in the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. And maybe uh, maybe you see Zibanejad and Panarin get together and maybe with Kreider and that's your top line and then maybe the kids move up to second. It'd just be interesting to sort of see how, how things progress moving forward. 
All right. Uh, so let's move on to one other topic here. We wanted to check in on Vancouver and the Islanders now that they have uh, played their first uh, first games uh, post trade. Uh, you know, we spent a lot of time obviously talking about that Horvat trade. So uh, what's going on in uh, Vancouver and the Island? So the Islanders have played almost two full games at this point. They played last night and are playing again tonight. And Bo Horvat in his first game had four shots on goal playing with Barzal and Bailey. And in his second game, he already has a goal. It looks like the team's clicking. They've actually scored a ton against Seattle tonight, which I'm not too happy about. But I kind of am thinking, like, are the fans going to look really dumb for critiquing this Horvat trade when he drags the Islanders back into the playoffs and Pittsburgh or Washington fall off? Like, it could happen. Yeah, definitely interesting to to think about how that uh, how that all might play out. Um, and then uh, Anthony Beauvillier has gotten some top line, you know, to the extent that we can define a top line in uh, Vancouver and getting some top power play. Uh, didn't score, but you know, I that's a guy I'm interested in. I you know I took a stab at him just to see if he would have kind of a you know show me moment. But I love that they you know I said last week I thought they were going to really try and showcase him and give him some good opportunities. Uh, and so far, uh, that seems to be the case. So good to see. Uh, and then I'm just getting an update, uh, from Patty in the chat. She says, uh, that, um, uh, Makar is back in action here. Oh, that's great to hear. Yes. Maybe we panicked. Yes. I definitely panicked. Well, you know, it's when you see a player of that caliber go down, always, uh, always worth a little bit of, of extra concern. Uh, one more before we head into the break here. Uh, tell us, you know, the, the endless quest of Minnesota to find a top line center. Who is the latest to get that opportunity between Zuccarello and Kaprizov? Ryan Hartman is back in action where he was last year and where he was really good last year. Uh, in addition to the fact that he's practicing with them, Dean Evison, the coach, said that he hopes to rekindle what they had last season, which to me reads like, I'm going to give him a couple games here and try to make this work it out. I'd be picking up a Hartman where I can, especially with the Wild having a lot of games coming up. And Sam Steele is probably a straight-up drop at this point. Yeah, I think you're only you're only interested in Sam Steele if he's got that top-line uh, deployment. Uh, really, probably the only center you want uh, from from the Wild is whoever is up there on the top line. So, yeah, just rotate him in. I would, I would drop... Uh, Drop steel for Hartman in a flash uh, if I had that opportunity. Um, you know, obviously, we've seen uh, great work from Kaprizov and Zuccarello. Uh, so, yeah, uh, if you have that opportunity, you run with it. We are going to head into a short break here. Uh, you're listening to Short Shifts. Welcome back to Short Shifts. Uh, Jeremy, we talked about him a little bit uh, in our previous show, um, but wanted to talk just uh, for a minute about Jake DeBrus' likely return on Saturday the 11th. Uh, we had mentioned that a bit before the All-Star break, but now it's all but confirmed. Great news for Boston and the top line. Uh, bad news for Craig Smith and anybody who chose to pick him up with that nice deployment he had. He only scored one goal in the last five games. Really didn't see much in the way of a bump in ice time. Uh, and, you know, uh, despite getting Marchand and Bergeron at even strength, I think it's just very easy, very simple and straightforward to flip Smith to line three and reinsert Jake DeBrusque. Uh, I do think that Krejci owners are going to see a bit of a drawback uh, as their guy is likely headed back down to power play two. Uh, Krejci's on a hot streak with five points in the last five games, and I already mentioned uh, he's on the hottest 
uh, line or um, uh, line combination over the past month. Um, but none of those points came during his adventures on Power Play One, so I think Krejci is more or less going to be what he's been giving you before. I don't see why uh, he would keep that top power play deployment, but I don't see why it would damage his output either if he's doing all of his damage uh, at even strength. So uh, I think, you know, a little bit of a drawback for Krejci, but he wasn't doing much on that top power play anyway. Uh, and, you know, no reason to no reason to make any big change based on DeBrusque's return. Another kind of interesting potential line one returner down in Florida. Jeremy, what's going on with the Duke? Anthony Duclair is an enigma to me. I, uh, I was going through all the scenarios for what to do with him and when, where could he be when he's back. The interesting thing I saw was that he put up a 64-point pace last year, including more than 30 goals in, like, 74 games. But he had a very underwhelming fantasy points total, only 4.34 kakupful points per game, which is about what Lawson Cruz is doing this year. And I think most people have been streaming Cruz in and out or like the last guy in their roster that they'll drop in a pinch. Uh, as for Duclair, I'm also a bit confused as to what his deployment's going to be. He could play line three because Florida's top two lines are clicking. He could also just slide in in place of Lindell on the first line left wing, which would be the best case scenario. He may or may not get power play time. Also, he's been in trade rumors, so he may or may not come back and play for Florida. So, in the end, I think I'm just going to summarize by saying he's definitely worth a stash just because of what he's done in the past, but monitor the situation as soon as he comes back because I have no clue. Yeah, it's kind of a, a watch this space type situation. Uh, I think we, we definitely are uh, in the dark a bit about what might potentially happen uh, with Anthony Duclair. I, I, you know, I like that you brought up, um, you know, that he could potentially place Lundell. I feel like that wouldn't be a bad idea. He has been in a bit of a rough streak here. Uh, I believe this is, this is your card on the list here. So do you want to transition right into looking at Lundell? Yeah, uh, Lundell, who was a hot pickup because of his first line deployment with Barkov and is it Reinhardt there? Who's the right wing on that line? I believe that's correct. Okay. Because of his hot deployment, he had a really nice hot stretch with six points in five games. But over the last four games, he's just got one point and is averaging less than two shots per game. Uh, almost all of them came in one outing also. So his time may be coming to an end on that top line. Also, Lundell was t- always touted as a future two-way center. So it's not like he's moving to left wing permanently. I'm sure they want him back playing center, whether it's on a third line or a second line because of some injuries. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. He, you know, that's something that he's going to be able to bring that we're not going to see from Duclair. You know, you've already got, uh, you know, Barkov who can manage, I think, that two way game. I'd love to see Duclair get a shot up there just to see what he can do. But uh, as you said, you know, we don't know exactly how the cap situation is going to resolve itself. Uh, you know, he could, like you said, potentially be traded. Uh, and, you know, we've seen more than our fair share, unfortunately, of people coming back from injury and heading right back to the IR. So there are a lot of potential ways that this could all play out. Um, but yeah, in terms of Lundell, you know, he had that nice little burst. Uh, it made me look bad for a minute there because I was kind of low on him when we brought him up when he initially came up to play uh, with Barkov. Um, but yeah, definitely has cooled off since then. Um, and certainly if, if Duclair takes that spot, I think you're, you're very safe to let him go if you're not there already. Another point on Duclair, uh, he's coming back from the same injury that Max Pacioretty did. And 
we saw how that ended. But I will say I'm a bit more confident in Duclair's return because he got the surgery a month earlier than Pacioretty did, is returning a month later than Pacioretty did, and is five years younger. Actually, seven years younger, I think. I was going to so, say, five years sounds even a little young. You know, Pacioretty's like getting a little long in the tooth. You know, he uh, I think he was uh, at Michigan when I was, too. So uh, that, that was a minute ago. All right. Um, let's uh, head into a couple of hot streaks for players. Uh, I picked these guys not only because they are on a nice hot streak, but because they are providing wild shot totals, the likes of which you would not expect from these guys and with a degree of consistency. Uh, we'll start with Frank Vitrano. Um, now, his deployment with uh, Mason McTavish and Mac jo- Max Jones leaves a lot to be desired, but he is just on a killer run right now with six points in the last four games, not counting Tuesday night's game against Chicago. Uh, to go with these just great shot values, four shots, eight, seven, and five in the last four games, um, you know, those are the kind that can just turn, you know, a category all on their own. Uh, and if your league values them, you know, eight shots is practically a goal uh, in cook up full even if you don't end up actually getting the goal so uh you know that's a really good opportunity anaheim does have friday and sunday games left this week uh so if a toronto can fit into your schedule yes he's a line two power play two guy um but with the way he's been playing shooting with some confidence uh it seems like he's doing all he can to make it on the score sheet uh so certainly given the schedule and giving his recent production uh, i think he makes for an intriguing potential streamer in uh, and then the last guy, this is more of a, a well done, sir. <laughs> this is not someone who is widely available in your league. Um, but another hot streak with big time shot totals uh, is Aaron Eckblad on the back end for Florida. Uh, six points in his last four games to go with five, 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 and three shots in those games. Uh, if you go back three more games, he has five, zero, and six shots. So uh, this is A.A. Ron really pulling his weight at even strength and on the power play. Um, we had talked about, you know, kind of some of the, um, I don't know, the idiosyncrasies of the Florida uh, playoff schedule. And that is they have just about as many games as anyone, but they only have two in that first matchup. Um, so you mentioned, I don't want to take credit for this idea, but you said, you know, maybe a good idea would be to find someone uh, with, uh, you know, a defender who maybe isn't on the same hot streak, but is of the same caliber, uh, who maybe has a little bit of a better schedule, uh, and see if you can't trade Ekblad to a team that might have a bye during that first round. So they're not worried about that two game week. I thought that was a, a pretty clever suggestion. Yeah. If you listen to Elon's matchup maximizer from this weekend, there's definitely some gameplay shuffling you can do with playoff schedules and kind of trade guys who have a couple more games in the end of the regular season for guys who have a few more games during semifinals and finals week. And if they're equivalent players, it gets you an extra five points in your playoff matchup, which could be the difference. Yeah. Uh, Definitely check out uh, Elon's show, by the way, if you haven't heard it. It's kind of uh, the new the new edition that is helping us uh, get over the loss of uh, the legendary stream scheme. And I know you did a, a bunch of work to help Elon prepare for that last show, and it was excellent. So, uh, you know, kudos, bud. You're, uh, you're really coming into your own here as a, as a contributor to the Keeping Carlson content. Yeah, thanks. I uh, I enjoy doing the research for myself, so I might as well share it with the, the crowds. Yeah, that's sort of how I felt when me and Ben started this thing. It's like, well, if I'm looking at all this stuff anyway, you know, maybe I can spend a half hour talking about it, too, and uh, it'll be beneficial for all involved. 
All right. Well, that does bring us to the end of our show here today. Thanks, everybody uh, who joined us on the Twitch stream. Uh, thanks to anybody who has listened to it on their podcast uh, service of choice. Uh, please be sure to give us a follow at Short Shifts KK. Uh, Brian and Elon, of course, can be found at Keeping Carlson. Uh, also recommend you follow uh, Elon and Shams at Game Day Lines, at Game Day Goalies, and at Game Day News NHL. Uh, all organized nicely at GameDayTweets.com, at least until Twitter decides to start charging a bunch of money for scraping that info, and then hopefully we'll find another way to do it. Uh, please visit that site and all the great sites we use to research our episodes at Yahoo, Frozen Tools, and Natural Stat Trick. Our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach. John Reed is our digital media producer. And until we see you next time, play smart and keep your shifts short. 